Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. Okay, it's... uh the 15th of October, right in the middle of the month. It's uh, Sunday, time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And we have um, some things to mention before we actually get started, is that uh, two days ago, on the 13th of October, we uh, celebrated our fourth year in this building. We were out on the beach for quite a few years, and it was a real, real pleasure to move off of the beach, even though it was kind of a romantic setting. It was not the place where you want to have a regular service, and um, I want to thank every single person that has helped out with that over these past four years. Uh, if it wasn't for the people that have just been so generous, you know, we wouldn't have a church at all. And I, I can't tell you what it means to have people that are out there that are helping this ministry, and not just uh, with gifts, but with prayers, with um, abilities, people that have uh, come into my life over the past four years, or even a little longer than that, that have helped out with, obviously, computer systems, camera systems, uh, the web guy that uh, does so, so much for this church. And all of these things are just by the grace of God. We've got a little church in the middle of, you know, almost nowhere, Sarasota, Florida, and in a strip mall, and we're able to uh, go out to the people of the world, and I'm so thankful for that. So thank everybody for that, and thank you for your prayers, and uh, it means a great deal to all of us here in this building. And um, we have uh, some people that are visiting today. I'm, it's going to take a minute to get through all of their names. I've got a George Thielman. Is it, did I pronounce that right? Okay. He's down from Tampa. He's been attending, uh, watching online for quite a while. And um, he is a retired naval officer. He was, uh, uh, I can't remember the term he used, but he was in the P3, P3 aircraft, the, the sub hunters. And he did that all over the world. And I had a great talk with him before we got started of all the places he's been. And I was rather jealous at quite a few of them because uh, he's been to some really nice places. So welcome, sir. And uh, then we have Ron and Jane Skip, Skimpy. I, I, I know I didn't pronounce that right. Snimke. Snimke. I'm sorry, I even wrote that down and I still can't. It's, it's a very uh, hard name to uh, pronounce based on one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine letters. And uh, anyway, they're all the way from Ohio, Cloverdale, Ohio. And uh, we're so thankful that you made the effort to come down here. It's a real pleasure having you here. And then we have some return visitors from um, Birch Bay, Washington, which is Daryl and Melody Hildebrand. And so it's wonderful to have you as well, and uh, we hope that all of you will have a good time while you're here. And uh, if you're uh, still in Sarasota for a couple days, let me know, and if I have free time, we can go out and do something. Mondays are never a good day. I type, get up at 4, and I start typing sermon, and it usually goes up until 6 at night. But uh, after that, we can, you know, uh, maybe find time if you're in town. And... Um, then as I do each week, I uh, highlight somebody. I didn't do somebody last week because we had other things that needed to get done, but uh, this is somebody that is, in my opinion, one of the finest people that I have ever come to know. I've never personally met him. Um, I highlighted his ministry a year ago, uh, asking people to uh, help support him. He's in Africa. He is a native African. He's not a missionary over there. And this person does more for the Lord than anybody that I know. Anyway, he is, he is an astonishing person. His name is um, Namugera Isaac, and he's in Uganda. And this guy is a real pleasure to know. 
Uh, he says, greeting you members whom we share the same spirit and salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him is our assurance for salvation and to live after death. First, he says, I thank you for your spiritual food you give every Sunday to the world. He attends online all the way from Uganda, and uh, he's there to watch the Prophecy Update and the sermon, and we fellowship throughout the week, almost every single week. He says, I follow every Sunday's uh, live streaming by the Superior Word Church. He also attends the Bible studies, and um, he said since 2012, he's been the general manager of a charity ministry, Save the Children Foundation in Uganda. Uh, it's in the Rakai and Masaka districts, supporting vulnerable families living in rural and distant areas in social, economical, and spiritual needs. He says, I'm the only child of my mother. I'm the last born of three children, but two died in labor hours before birth. I'm doing a degree in business administration and management, majoring in banking and finance from Kampala University, the Masak branch and uh, finalizing this year in December. He's going to be a graduate from there. He's just starting to build a primary school that is going to benefit the nearby community children and giving free education to various vulnerable children, thus helping us to build a complete child, both physically and spiritually. And I, that's his comments there. And I want to tell you something. This guy, when somebody sends him money, He's the only person I know that does this. He, he goes into not just detail, but he goes into exacting detail. If you send him $100 and you say, I want $30 to go to Bible, buy Bibles, he'll send you a receipt exactly what he does. Okay, He has uh, sent out Bibles to people there that have never held a Bible in their hand in their life, and he does this. He has his own piggery project. He got a couple pigs, and he started breeding them so that he could give pigs to other people that have none of their own so that they can develop now, when he did this, he took those pigs and he did something that most people in Africa do not do. He inoculated them. He got pictures of it and he sent videos of him doing this. And they had a terrible pig problem over there not too long ago and they lost countless pigs and he kept all of his because he was he has foresight. This guy has foresight. He has, so he has the piggery project. He has the Bibles. He uh, you know has people make beads and he sells them around the world to raise money. He says, I want to buy five acres. And he's not buying it for himself. He buys it so that he can raise corn. And then he sends pictures of the corn being grown and then the corn being harvested. And he goes on and on. Every single thing that he sets his mind to, he does. And he physically gets out there and works with the people. He doesn't, he's not just somebody that says, I want you to do this. He develops these ideas. And now he's got a idea for a school over there. He's got a complete write-up on it, a management write-up on it. And he needs funds for this, and it's not going to be cheap. It's going to be, I think, nine thousand U.S. dollars to get this going. He's uh, somebody started a GoFundMe page for him here in America to make it easier, and I'll put that on the uh, on the um, uh, website. It's GoFundMe um, UVGWG3. Let's build a school. Anyway, they have that there, and this money is going to go to help build that school. And I would honestly hope that anybody that can help this person would do so. If there's something in particular you want that money donated to in his ministry, you just tell him and he will send you a receipt for that. But this person is somebody that I trust completely. And I would ask that if you have money to help him with, because he is helping countless people over there, please do it. And it is an honor. It is a real honor to highlight this person this week. So anyway, we send our love right to uh, Isaac Namugera, who is in Uganda. All right. Our first category today, as always, is Israel. 
and I've entitled this Water of Life. Okay, you'll see why in just a second. But before I get into the first article on that, I want to remind you that we are in the middle of the Day of Atonement sermons. We started last week, we have one this week, and then we'll have a third one next week. And um, if you want to know about the Day of Atonement, if you want to know about what Christ did for you, and how it is pictured in the Old Testament in minute, exacting ways, watch these three sermons, and you will learn. You'll also learn about the Feasts of the Lord. Now, you know, speaking about the Feasts of the Lord, here's what happened. I always, uh, uh, you know, I do a poem at the end of every sermon for, um, you know, what I do for the people in church is I read the passage that we're going to be evaluating, and then we evaluate it one line at a time, and then at the end I make a poem out of that passage so that they hear it three times, and it helps them. And, um, you know, they can remember and it kind of helps them process what they've heard after going through it. And this week, I uh, always type the poem on Friday, so I don't have to worry about it on Monday when I'm doing the sermon typing. And this week, I forgot to type it because I was so busy doing other stuff. And so I thought, I'm going to be behind on Monday. And then I thought, well, maybe I'll, I'll be able to have time today. Okay. And so what I did is I, uh, I laid it out, got everything ready in the morning before we went to mission work. And I pulled up the verses, and guess what? Only three verses in that passage. So I thought, oh, that's not going to be a long poem. That won't take any time at all. It'll be the feasts of the Lord. It's Leviticus chapter 23. The first feast is the Sabbath. So it introduces the feast of the Lord, and then you get into the Sabbath. It's only three verses, so the poem took about two seconds. You made a limber. So, yes, I, yeah, absolutely. But um, anyway, um, that's done. The poem is done, and so we'll get into the feasts of the Lord, typing them, and they'll be out in ten weeks. And uh, there's eight feasts of the Lord. There's seven annual ones plus the rotating weekly Sabbath. But for right now, it's the Day of Atonement. Please watch those sermons. You will understand what the Lord wants you to know from there. The detail is very specific, and it is all pointing to Christ. You cannot help but enjoy these sermons, so please do that. Okay, from uh, the times of Israel, thirsty sea of Galilee is sinking toward the lowest level ever recorded. We had this problem last year. It is there again, and it's worse. Okay, so they're they're running out of water in the Sea of Galilee, which provides water for all of Israel. Okay, from Aretz Shiva, Israel receives first rains during the Sukkot holiday. Israel's first rains fell during the week-long holiday of Sukkot, providing hope for the Kinneret's uh, recovery. Kinneret is the Sea of Galilee. Uh, if you don't know where the term Kinneret comes from, it's from the Bible. Um, it's derived from the word Kinnor which is a harp, okay? When David plays the harp, he does it on the 10-string kinnor. Well, why would kinneret come from harp? It's because if you look at it from above, it's in the shape of a harp, a, a Hebrew harp. And so the Sea of Galilee gets its name, its Hebrew name, kinneret, from the shape of a harp, okay? Anyway, um, from Voitenko News Service, uh, I called my friend Sergio, and uh, it was on Monday we were talking. I had a question about a sermon, and uh, he said the early rains started today. He said it rained really hard here, so praise the Lord on that. They are getting some rain. It usually comes about um, Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of the year. This year it was a little late, but when it came, it really came, so good job there. And then from uh, Aretz Shiva, Another year of drought ahead. Despite the rains, they're anticipating that it will be a dry year. The state of Israel is heading toward a fifth year of drought, according to the Water Authority's forecast for the winter. According to the Water Authority, there is a real fear that next summer, large springs that have never dried up, like the Banias in the Galilee, will remain without water. 
Drinking water is not expected to be in short supply thanks to Israel's five giant desalinization plants, in contrast to the situation among some of Israel's neighbors. However, there is no solution for the agriculture and the water economy in the north, far from the Mediterranean coastline, which has been seriously hurt. So they're facing real trouble there. The agriculture is something that they rely on, and uh, Israel's having some trouble. So let's just take one moment and pray for Israel's water. Lord, you did provide some great rain for them just this past week on Monday, and we thank you for that. We thank you that you're tending to your people, Israel, and we would ask that you would continue to just open the floodgates of heaven and just give them the water they need to provide for their land, to grow the food that the people need, and even to abundance so that they can export that to others and uh, continue to be the prosperous nation that we want them to be. And Lord, above all, we ask that you fill them with the water of life, the gift of your spirit by turning their hearts to you and that many would call on you through Jesus and be saved. And we pray that this will happen, that you will be glorified in your people of Israel and that they will be saved through Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Okay, let's see here. Another one. Uh, This is kind of too bad in one way, but the Bible said it would happen. And it's interesting, nonetheless, from Breaking Israel News, a a news service that I usually don't like to cite because they they put out a lot of nonsense. But um, the Sanhedrin revives the ancient temple water libation ritual in the Shiloh Valley. Okay, Monday, a group of approximately 500 set out from the Dung Gate of the old city of Jerusalem, singing and dancing as they descended into the valley below Jerusalem with one goal in mind, to draw one small jug of water from the Shiloh pool in order to reenact the temple water ceremony. Three Kohanim, Jewish men of the priestly caste wearing priestly garments, led the group past the archaeological remains of the city of David. After dancing down winding alleyways, the festive crowd arrived at the Shiloh pool. In temple times, a libation of water was made together with the pouring out of wine at the morning service on the last six days of the week-long Sukkot holiday. Though not explicitly mandated in the Torah, the water libation is part of the oral tradition passed down from Moses. Okay, I'm going to make a point about that in a second. Sukkot is a joyous holiday, and the water libation was the focal point of this joy. In the temple, the ceremony would take 15 hours with accompanying celebrations lasting all night until the temple service began again the next morning. My point about that is that even though they claim that it's an oral tradition alone, uh, the New Testament actually documents it. In John 7, it says these words. Let's see here. John, there's all kinds of things in the New Testament that if the uh, Jews would pick it up and read it, they would find their traditions all over the place in in the most surprising of ways. But it's uh, John chapter 7 and verse 37. It says, um, I'm still in chapter 6. That's a long chapter there, Charlie. 37, it says, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come unto me. This is at the time when they would have been doing this water ceremony that they were practicing here. Um, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Therefore many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, said, truly, this is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. 
But some said, will the Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was a division among the people because of him. Now some of them wanted to take him, but no one laid his hands on him. So there you go, right out of the Bible, this is something that they did observe. If you uh, also know, like, for example, the, um, what is it, um, Hanukkah, right? That's not anywhere in the Old Testament, but it's recorded in the New Testament. It's called the Feast of Dedication. And at that time, Jesus said, I am the light of the world, right? So Jesus is the fulfillment of all of Bible prophecy and all of Jewish tradition that is has a basis in reality. There's a lot of Jewish tradition that has its basis in nonsense, but uh, there's things that are are, uh, grounded in reality, and they all point to Christ. Okay, so here we go. Uh, Next one from Jerusalem Online. Israel's decision to share secret database with the U.S. sparks online outrage. This is something I brought up before, is that they cannot have free visa travel to the United States until they meet certain requirements. And they've been working on this because they want to be able to just travel freely back and forth. And one of the requirements was that they must share their database of their, you know, uh, terrorists and people that have been identified as suspect and all that. And they've decided to do that. So I'm reporting on it because it's something I brought up in another update a few months ago. Reports about Israel's willingness to grant the U.S. full access to its biometric database have sparked an outrage on social media, with many users slamming uh, Deputy Foreign Minister Hatovli for agreeing to share private info of Israeli citizens. Hatovli, as the head of a government team appointed by the Prime Minister Netanyahu, has agreed to grant the U.S. access to the database in order for Israel to be included in the U.S. visa waiver program. The state is essentially breaching its own biometric database, said Nur Hirschman, a spokesman for the digital rights movement. We're talking about, and this is what I thought was rather funny, we're talking about a country where secret documents about CIA and FBI workers was leaked. It's insane, and it's irresponsible. And I would not disagree with that, but if they want to come here with uh, their visas, without their visas, then they need to do this. But I wouldn't trust our government at this point either. So Israel, you know, they've got the finest uh, security in the world, and here they're giving it up to us. So anyway, uh, from Sputnik, uh, Trump wants to give peace a shot before moving embassy to Jerusalem. Once again, he has not broken his promise He made a promise that he would move it. He has, in my estimate, four years. If he's reelected, it gives him another four years to do this. But he has not broken his promise. I don't look at it in that light at all. He's trying to do something which is going to fail. He's not the Antichrist, and so he's, unless you're on the left, then you think he is. But um, he certainly isn't the Antichrist, and so he's not going to succeed at this peace effort. But um, he does have free reign up until the end of his uh, term to do this, in my opinion, because a promise kept is during your administration. And so we'll leave it at that, and uh, we'll just hope that it does happen soon. And then finally, from Behold Israel, Fatah and Hamas, I don't know if you saw this, sign a reconciliation agreement in Cairo. There's a lot involved in this. Um, One of the things was that Hamas has supposedly, I read that this morning, they've supposedly given up their, um, uh, any, I won't say desire, but any uh, acknowledgement of going over and attacking Israel. Okay, that's one of the agreements. Fatah said you can't do this. But they have openly said that they want to push Israel out into the sea and all of this other nonsense. They have not changed their stand against Israel. 
And so my thought is it doesn't matter if they've reconciled or not in order to make a peace agreement with Israel. If these people are saying this is what they're going to do, then there won't be any peace because Israel is not going to agree to it. And secondly, they have not said that they will uh, acknowledge Israel's right to exist. And Israel will not accept any peace agreement unless they acknowledge that right. They have to acknowledge the Jewish state of Israel. So we're not at any point yet where anything is going to uh, uh, happen, but it's something that we'll keep an eye on in the week ahead. Okay, from Christian News. I said this before we opened, and I'm going to say this again to the folks on the Prophecy Update, is I got a letter today from somebody, uh, a person that writes from time to time to the church, and I sat down this morning and I read it, and I'm bringing this up because um, there's a lot of people that follow Bible prophecy that I don't think are saved. They, I think they just look at it as a novelty, and they go from site to site, and they, they just you know want to know what's going on in the world. This person is a very sweet person. And uh, she was heading to a horse show. Can't give her name, but uh, she was heading to a horse show. And a SUV was coming around a corner, and it had lost control, and it spun out. And SUV against Honda Accord. Guess who's going to win, right? Um, she uh, was fine, which I was I was reading. Her entire letter had all kinds of great stuff about the, the horse show. And I, I was just on the edge of my seat reading it because she's just this dramatic writer. But I got to this, and I was just gasping, you know, thinking – is she in the hospital? Is the point I'm making is that her life could have ended right then and there. Okay, the Lord was merciful. He saved her. But we do not know the end of our life. We don't know the last moment that we're going to exist. None of us. I had a friend that I went to high school with. She's only She turns 53 in four days. She had a heart attack. She actually had two in the past week. She's in the hospital, and I had to go visit her yesterday. You know, you're not thinking I'm going to die of a heart attack at 53 years old. You know, I'm not. I still feel like I'm 19, right? So, uh, you know, it, we don't know. And so I would ask that if you are watching these Prophecy Updates because you want to know what's going on in the world and or you want to see Charlie's, uh, you know, dippy-doo mustache or whatever the reason is that you're watching this, that you would consider first and foremost eternity and that you need Jesus Christ, and that you will not be reconciled to God apart from Jesus Christ. There is no way it's going to happen. Watch the sermon today, watch last week's, watch today's, and watch next week, and you will understand this. The Bible does not allow any other option except going through the veil, and the veil is Christ. Okay, It's, There's, free. it's free. It is a gift, and you don't have to do anything. He has done all of the work, all that the Bible... And let me read you what the Bible says. This is salvation, okay? This is salvation. People complicate salvation. They add things into it that are not salvation. I'm going to read you what salvation is. Okay, I'm going to take you to the book of Romans. It's called the uh, Constitution of Christianity by many. In the book of Romans, chapter 10, it says in verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, saying, I confess Jesus is my Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Why raise him from the dead? Why is that a part of the condition? It's because he had no sin in him. Sin, the wages of uh, sin, is death. We die because we have sin in our life. Okay? He had no sin, proving that he was the perfect man to replace Adam. He is the God-man. And because of that, you're confessing that he is Lord, meaning Jehovah, of the Old Testament. He is the incarnation of God. And you're confessing that he died without sin, and therefore sin could not hold him, okay? 
It let him go because he was sinless. He died for your sins, not in his sins. Okay? So let me read that again. This is all you have to do. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I need Jesus. I know I can't save myself. I know there's no other way to be reconciled to God except through Jesus, and I want that. Done deal. Okay? You want to know the specifics of the gospel? Go read uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 3. But that is how you get saved right there. Okay? Please do that today. I'm so thankful that the Lord was merciful on my friend. But if he wasn't, I know where she's going. And I want to have that assurance with everybody in my life. I want everybody to know where they're going. And it's only going to happen if you know Jesus. Okay? From uh, CNS today. I said that I would mention this. I'm not going to read the article because you get the point just from the title. But I said this last week. Head of Church of England, Justin Welby. Okay? I can't give a straight answer on whether gay sex is sinful. That's his answer. They asked him, is gay sex sinful? And he said, I can't give a straight answer on that. Well, that's right. We got somebody here that understands the importance of this. Right? We don't have catechisms. We don't use confessions. We don't use a book of discipline. We use the Bible. This is our marching orders. And without this, we are lost. We're ships on an ocean being tossed to and fro by every wind of crazy doctrine. But there you go. Justin Welby is completely perverse. I, I tell you, I don't know how anybody could continue to attend the Church of England and say, I don't feel gross when they walk out of the congregation each week, right, of the church service. Okay, from uh, the Christian Post, this is a long article. I don't know if you heard this, but it's wonderful stuff. Jeff Sessions issues sweeping religious freedom guidance to all federal agencies. Okay, Attorney General Sessions is instructing all federal agencies to ensure to the greatest extent practicable and permitted by law that the religious beliefs of people, businesses, churches, and so on are accommodated and not burdened by the federal government. In response to President Trump's executive order in May, he said, I want you to come up with a policy. Sessions did it. Okay, so this is our president in action. This is not Jeff Sessions. This is Jeff Sessions doing what our president asked. Okay, that's the important point on that one. And uh, which called on the Department of Justice to issue guidance interpreting religious liberty protections in federal law and guide all agencies in compliance, the Justice Department issued a sweeping guidance on religious freedom. The Free Exercise Clause protects not just the right to believe or the right to worship, it protects the right to perform or abstain from performing certain physical acts in accordance with one's belief. Think of the cake makers that have been hounded by our previous administration. Okay? Sessions wrote, Federal statutes, including the Religious Freedom Restoration Act of 1993, support that protection broadly defining the exercise of religion to encompass all aspects of the observance and practice, whether or not central to or required by a particular religious faith. The guidance also asserts that the Free Exercise Clause not only protects people, it also protects the religious freedom of rights of businesses, for-profit corporations, religious organizations. Think of for-profit, think of uh, Hobby Lobby, right? They've been hounded. They won't be anymore, at least under this administration. Okay, um, uh, schools, private associations, 
churches, and denominations. The guidance also stresses that individuals and organizations don't give up their rights to religious liberty protections under the law simply because of their employment status or their affiliation with any level of government. These are real sweeping changes here because our previous president tried to do away with everything everything to do with Christianity. He exalted Islam. You can't say anything bad about them, but you can sure get down on the Christians, okay? Additionally, the guidance instructs agencies not to second-guess the reasonableness of a religious belief. RFRA applies to all sincerely held religious beliefs, whether or not central to or mandated by a particular religious organization or tradition. Religious adherents will often be required to draw lines in the application of their religious beliefs, and government is not competent. We had to just stop the sentence right there, but it is not competent to assess the reasonableness of such lines drawn, nor would it be appropriate for government to do so. What a change from our previous president. Wow. Adding that the federal government may not force employers to be complicit in violating an organization's religious precepts. The guidance also asserts that religious exemptions should be provided in cases in which the exemption could deprive a third party of a benefit. Just because a service or benefit is denied due to the granting of a religious exemption does not render an exemption unavailable. Once an adherent identifies a substantial burden on his or her religious exercise, RFRA requires the federal government to establish that denial of an accommodation or exemption to that adherence is the least restrictive means of achieving a compelling governmental interest. The guidance also contends that religious protections to Title VII discrimination law extend to discrimination on the basis of religious observance or practices as well as belief. Wonderful stuff there. I'm telling you, we are making the right moves in this administration. I believe our president, I said this to uh, our uh, Republican in chief here uh, as he walked in today. I said, we need to get as many people behind the Tea Party as possible. It's died out. We need to get that resurrected. We need to get rid of all of the rhino Republicans in Congress. They are do nothing. They have done nothing, and they are not helping out our president. We need to get rid of these people. We need to vote in. We've got an election coming up in one year and one month. We need to get in people that will support this president and that will follow this and make laws that will keep us from going back down this sad path that we've been going down. All right. From uh, the Washington Times, something that goes along with the article I just read. We'll see where it goes. Christian activists booted from Seattle coffee shop. I'm gay, you have to leave. So the coffee shop says, I'm gay, you have to leave. That's his right. If you want, don't want somebody in there that's a Christian into your business, that's his right. I disagree with his premise, okay, the entire premise, but I think he should have that right to do so. I assure you that somebody will come along and will defend him in this, okay? Here's what it says. A Christian pro-life group that was recently ejected from a Seattle coffee shop over its local activism is attracting hundreds of thousands of Facebook views after footage of the encounter was posted online. I'm gay. You have to leave, owner Ben Borgman in the video said. Are you denying us service, Mr. Davis asked? I am, yeah, Mr. Borgman replied. As deplorable as I think that is, it's his right. It's his business. Okay, next article. 
from the Christian Post, Satanic Temple demands Christian bakers make cakes for Satan. Okay, so we're going to see where this goes, because I just said that guy has a right to kick out normal thinking people. Okay, he wants to be an abnormal person. That's fine. That's his right to do so. I want to see where this one goes, because Justice Sessions has said this in his uh, determination. Will these people be forced to make cakes for Satan? It says the Satanic Temple is urging its followers to target Christian bakers opposed to working gay weddings by demanding they make cakes for Satan. Lucian Greaves, a co-founder and spokesman for the Satanic Temple, argued that Christian business owners are discriminating, not anymore according to our current DOJ, against gay people for refusing to serve gay weddings. He expressed fears that since sexual orientation is not a protected class under the CRA of 1964, which we brought up a week or two ago, religious business owners might start winning cases at SCOTUS. Well, we hope so, and I would hope that that crazy guy out in California or Washington would win his case as well, Oregon, wherever it was. I, I would hope that he wins his case because that's his right to conduct his business as he wishes. And Christian cake owners should be able to say, I'm not making a pervert cake for you or a satanic cake for you or any other thing. That is their right. What I think that Christians should do if they want, and there would be no way around this. This is our cake shop and every cake that we make we're going to have John 316 just a little thing put it at the bottom of it and then you can't say it's discrimination because this is our identifying cake and so if you want to have a satanic cake that's great but it's coming with John 316 on the side of it right so we're thinking alike we're thinking exactly alike is that it's something that they can't say no to because it's their trademark now anyway we'll go on Islam today from Christian News Islamic Imam delivers prayer before the U.S. House claiming God is experienced through multiple paths. This is going on in our Congress right now. Hence, we need to get some decent congressmen in there that won't allow this. You know, the congressman chooses who they select to come up and pray. Obviously, this wasn't a Republican. We can figure that out without even reading the article. But we should have people in the Congress that are going to have people that are going to be praying to Jesus in the, the Congress and in the Senate, okay? That's what we need to get in there. An Islamic imam delivered a prayer before the U.S. House of Representatives claiming that God is simply known by different names and experienced through multiple paths. Now, this guy doesn't believe this. He's saying this because he wants people to believe that he is one of these religious pluralists. They have checked out his background and he is a staunch Islamic defender, okay? But he's saying this so that people will say, oh, well, they want confusion in our religion in America. So we'll go on. It says um, multiple paths. Abdullah Antepli, the chief representative of Muslim affairs at Duke University, was invited to deliver the invocation by Democrat Congressman Price of North Carolina. The Holy One, this is his prayer, as your creation, we call you by different names, experience you through multiple paths. Our human, this has been read in the U.S. Congress. Our human diversity is from you. Well, that's true. As the creator of all, you made us different. That's also true. Enable us to understand, appreciate, and celebrate our differences. Let's celebrate our differences. Little subtle thoughts in there, okay? Teach and guide us to turn these differences into opportunities, richness, and strength. Prevent us from turning them into sources of division. So now he's trying, taking the opposite course. Polarization, hate, and bigotry. He's right on that ball on the other side, but he's saying these things to introduce this into people's minds, okay? Um, going on, and Tepley also asserted in his prayer that America's made progress by being 
pluralistic, and of many religions. We are far from being perfect, but came a long way in creating a multicultural, multi-religious, and pluralistic society by making in America, you will be judged by what you do, not by who you are, as one of our foundational promises, okay? Say that before Jesus, right? I'm going to be judged by what I do. He's going to say, get out of here, right? You are judged by what you are, and that is by the righteousness of Christ and by that alone. As we going back to Romans uh, 10, 9, and 10, you call on Jesus and you become in Christ, and that's the only thing that's going to save you, not by what you do, okay? He closed his prayer in your most holy and beautiful names, plural. Wednesday was Ann Tepley's second visit to the U.S. House of Representatives as he also delivered the invocation before lawmakers in 2010. So there you go. That's what's going on in the U.S. Congress. From uh, Aritz Shiva, Iran tried to acquire nuke missile technology. Anybody know how many times they've done it since the uh, 32 times since they passed this legislation? Our our previous president passed this uh, stupid agreement. The Iranian regime. Now, we've seen Iran all over the news this week because the left is, you know, going apoplectic or however you pronounce that word about uh, Trump wanting to get rid of this agreement. Thirty-two times they have tried to acquire missile technology. Uh, The regime made dozens of attempts to acquire technology critical for its nuclear weapons and ballistic missile programs, a possible, possible violation. It's an obvious violation, but anyway, of the 2015 Iran nuclear deal. Fox News cited three German intelligence reports, which indicated that agents working on behalf of Tehran made 32 procurement attempts that attempted acquisitions aimed at technology useful for advancing Iran's military nuclear program and efforts by the regime to manufacture effective medium to long range delivery systems for a future atomic weapon. Reportedly, this took place in 2016. Now, just think of it this German intelligence service found 32 attempts. How many did they not attempt? How many other places are they reaching out for this technology? Because we know the Koreans were there just a while ago. Okay? This is going on. And they nobody's doing anything about it. And our president gets barbecued for trying to get us out of this stupid agreement. It goes on. It says... Um, after the deal took effect in January of that year, efforts to obtain such technology are prohibited under the deal. So how can it be a possible violation if it's prohibited? Okay, it says, um, in addition, German intelligence officials noted that not only Iran, but Pakistan, North Korea, and Sudan used guest academics to attempt to obtain uranium enrichment technology. An example for this type of activity occurred in the sector of electronic technology in connection with the implementation of the enrichment of uranium. The German intelligent reports also warned that Iranian efforts to acquire long-range ballistic missile technology continued unabated and, if obtained, would enable Tehran to directly threaten Europe. At this point, who cares? They're the ones that have pushed this thing, right? So I I shouldn't say who cares because there's a lot of good Christians in Europe too. But, you know, the main thing is they're not going to be lobbing missiles at Europe. They're going to be lobbing missiles at Israel. That's their goal. They want an atomic bomb or a nuclear bomb, and they want to send it. They have said many times in the past, if we have a nuclear weapon in the morning, it will detonate over Tel Aviv in the evening. Okay? That is their goal. That is their one mission in life is to destroy and it's specifically directed at 
Israel, okay, from the Independent. Man dressed as a shark handed fine under Austria burqa ban. So you can't wear a burqa anymore. Well, this guy's dressed as a shark. Here we go. The man was promoting the opening of a new electronics shop in Vienna, dressed in a pink and gray costume when police asked him to remove his head covering. He's out there like, you know, Ronald McDonald with this thing on his head, right? And uh, he refused to take off the shark head and was given a fine, according to Austrian media reports. Penalties for violating the law can be up to 150 euros. The law, which was approved by the Australian Parliament in May, does not explicitly target Muslims, so they had to do this, but has been accused of discriminating those who wear traditional Islamic dress. Apparently not, because if you're a shark, you get get cited too. So it can't be discriminatory, can it? Good job, Austria. Okay, from Mongolia today. um, Apparently, Mongolia is the backwater of the world. Okay, here uh, from the Huffington Post. Michael Heseltine, he's a guy over in England that gives everybody all kinds of grief. He's like our Donald Trump. As a matter of fact, look at pictures of this guy. His hair is all, he's, he's a Trumpite. He's been studying under our president. This is great stuff. Michael Heseltine thinks uh, Theresa May should reshuffle. It's Boris Johnson with the hair, not Michael Heseltine. Anyway, Boris Johnson, look him up and you'll see some great photos. Um, should reshuffle Boris Johnson to Mongolia. Former Tory Deputy Prime Minister Heseltine delivered a brutal assessment of what Theresa May should do with troublemaking Boris Johnson. Speculation is mounting over whether the Foreign Secretary, who has faced a backlash from his own Member of Parliament for a series of Brexit interventions that critics say undermine the Prime Minister's authority, will lose his job in a reshuffle. Apparently on Sky News, Lord Heseltine, who himself was sacked by May as a government advisor after rebelling over Brexit, was questioned about Johnson's antics. He said, if you were in Theresa May's position and you were going to reshuffle, where would you put Boris Johnson? Heseltine said, Mongolia, somewhere like that. So apparently Mongolia is still kind of the out and out of the world, but, you know, I'd I'd love to be stationed there. Heck, if I was a foreign minister, that'd be a great job. Anyway, Daniel 12 Technology Today from CNN. Field of machines. Researchers grow crop using only automation. No person stepped on the entire field one time. Okay? A farm in the United Kingdom is the first in the world to successfully plant, tend, and harvest a crop without a single person ever setting foot in the field. From sowing the seeds to picking the grain, human workers were replaced with automated machines operated from a central control room. The project called Hands Free Hector was completed last month with a yield of four and one half tons of barley. Hector, uh, a Spanish name? Yeah, yeah, Hector is a Spanish name. Yeah, he's, he's a nice guy that lives right down the road. Um, yeah, anyway, it says uh, at Hands Free Hector, agronomists and engineers use customized tractors and drones to cultivate the barley from an area roughly equivalent to two and a half acres. Drones with multispectral sensors took aerial images of the field, while smaller machines at crop level took samples to assess what fertilizers to apply and where. Live camera feeds were used to detect invasive weeds or disease. Okay, that brings me to a point, is that we are heading to an age where man won't have to work anymore. And I said this in our Bible class on uh, Thursday night, and I thought I'd repeat it for the people on the Prophecy Update, because once in a while you need to actually get into the Bible. And uh, so Genesis 2.8 says, I'm going to read you that first, and I'm going to take you over to verse 15. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. 
Okay, in verse 15, it says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. Okay, there's a couple things about that verse. First, man was created outside of the garden, and he was placed in the garden. The word where he was put there, put, is um, yanach. He rested him in the garden. He didn't put him there to work. It says to tend and keep. That translation is not correct. Okay, the translation should say to worship and serve. Okay, that was what man was placed in the garden to do, was to worship his creator and to serve him. If you use tend and keep, you have what's called a gender discord. It doesn't match, okay? But it's the only thing that made sense to scholars until uh, uh, Dr. Howe, uh, who's up at Southern Evangelical Seminary, said, well, we've got this gender problem. And he went and he analyzed the words, and the words are also translated elsewhere in the Bible in the proper gender as worship and serve. Then he did a great commentary on that particular passage. All right, man was not intended to work. He was intended to worship and serve his creator. Working came at the fall when he was kicked out and he has to work by the sweat of his brow and to earn his food and step on sand And if you don't wear shoes like me, it can be painful. But anyway, how do we know that that's correct? It's because on the first couple pages of the Bible, it says this is what we had. And until you get to the very, very last couple pages of the Bible, you don't know what we had is coming again. Everything that was lost is restored. Okay, you've got the tree of life is there. It's taken away. Now it's restored. All of these things are restored. Guess what it says on the last page of the Bible? That man will worship his creator and man will serve his creator. We were intended to worship and serve. So we're getting in the mode of that right now by having farm equipment that we don't have to do anything. We just let it go out there and then it brings in the food and we sit down and have a big banquet. So we're getting to the place where we can now worship and serve again without working. It's not going to happen in this dispensation, but it's kind of fun. All right, um, next article is from the Chicago Tribune. Commit a crime? Anybody here want to commit a crime? Don't wear a Fitbit. I know you wear one, okay? Your Fitbit key fob or pacemaker could snitch on you. We've already seen the pacemaker, so you're out, right? Well, we're getting into another one. Smoke hung in the air, and a trail of blood led to a darkened basement as Connecticut State Police swarmed the large home in the Hartford suburbs two days before Christmas in 2015. Richard, 41, told uh, authorities a masked intruder with a Vin Diesel voice killed his wife. He had it all figured out, Vin Diesel, okay? So um, Connie in front of him and tortured him. Police combed the home and town of Ellington but found no suspect. With no other witnesses other than Richard Dabate, I guess is how you pronounce his name, detectives turned to the vast array of data and sensors that increasingly surround us. An important bit of information came from an unlikely source, the Fitbit tracking Connie's movements. Others from the home's smart alarm systems... Facebook, cell phones, email, and a key fob allowed police to recreate a nearly minute-by-minute account of the morning that they said revealed Richard's story was an elaborately staged fiction. Undone by his data, Richard was charged with his wife's murder. So anybody here that has a lot of stuff and you want to whack somebody, you better get rid of your stuff first, okay? And don't whack anybody, all right? We don't need that. We want people to... Yeah, it's covered. All right, good. Um, Revelation plagues, morality, and other section are all one combined section today. It's entitled, Not California Dreaming. Okay? From the Washington Post. More Californians ordered to flee wildfires as gusting winds return. If you've been watching it, I don't need to go any deeper on the fires. They've had, up as of this morning, 41 dead, hundreds of people missing, 
thousands and thousands of people without homes. There are people that are scattered all over the place. Things are really bad. We would ask that you would pray for the people in California that are facing this. Even if they're not saved, we would pray that they would come to a saving knowledge of the Lord through this catastrophe. California is on fire. Next article from fire.ca.gov. Go to that website and you can have an interactive fire map and you can see everything that's going on all the time. It is a disaster. Okay, so there you go. From Breitbart, California hepatitis A outbreak on verge of statewide epidemic. California health officials have reported that at least 569 people have been infected with the hepatitis A liver disease and 17 have died since the San Diego County outbreak was first identified in November. Cases have migrated north to homeless populations in Los Angeles, Santa Cruz, San Francisco, and Sacramento over the last 11 months. Although local and state authorities have tried to underplay the risks and severity of the outbreak, the most recent annual totals for cases of hepatitis A in the United States was 1,390 in 2015. They're already at over half of that this year. California only reported 179 cases during that same year. The highly contagious hepatitis A outbreak may have taken root because of the city of San Diego's efforts in the run-up to the Major League Baseball Stars All-Star Game held at Petco Park in July 2016 to push the homeless and the rampant drug and prostitution trade among them out of the downtown tourist venues. Those efforts include locking public bathrooms and essentially relocating the homeless to a congested tent city encampments that stretch for blocks east of downtown near freeway on-ramps. California homeless advocates have been successful across the state in forcing cities to accept the homeless living in large tent communities on public property. Leave it up to liberals and everything goes south. Everything. The advocates refer to anti-homeless ordinances as the modern-day equivalent to post-slavery Jim Crow and Depression-era anti-Okie laws that allowed police to disperse people deemed undesirable after dark. Guess what? Jim Crow was all the left. They blame it on the right. It's not. It's all the left. But anyway, we'll go on. The city of San Diego was forced to sign the Spencer Settlement in 2006, which forbids its police department from enforcing the city's illegal lodging enforcement guidelines. So they can't enforce their own guidelines. Between the hours of 9 p.m. and 5.30 a.m., California, with 115,738 homeless, now accounts for about 21% of America's total homeless. Imagine that. Due to legal settlements against vagrancy laws, about 72.3% of California's homeless are unsheltered, usually living in tent cities. So there you go. Another problem. U.S. News banned pesticides showing up in California water. Toxic chemicals from illegal marijuana farms hidden deep in California's forest because they've said it's okay, grow away. All right, they're showing up in rivers and streams that feed the state's water supply, prompting fears that humans and animals may be at risk. The presence of potentially deadly pollutants in eight northern and central California watersheds is the latest sign of the damage to the environment from thousands of illegal cannabis plantations, many of them run by drug cartels serving customers in other states. California accounts for more than 90% of illegal U.S. marijuana farming. 
There are as many as 50,000 farms in California, according to state estimates. And even though voters legalized the drug last November, only about 16,000 growers are expected to seek licenses when commercial cultivation becomes legal next year. The chemicals have turned thousands of acres of forest into waste dumps so toxic that law enforcement officers have been hospitalized after inadvertently touching plants and equipment and scores of animals have died. From Sacramento Bee, more opioid prescriptions than people in some California counties. Trinity County is the state's fourth smallest and ended last year with an estimated population of 13,628 people. Its residents also filled prescriptions for oxycodone, hydrocodone, and other opioids 18,439 times, the highest per capita rate in California. More drugs than people in the, the place. Unbelievable. From Zero Hedge, San Franciscans upset to learn that their liberal policies caused a wave of restaurant failures. They passed these laws, the restaurants can't compete, and they're losing all of their low-end restaurants. The only ones that can manage, they're, they're selling food at like $200 a plate out there, and these restaurants are making it, of course, but nobody else can afford to live and work in uh, San Francisco anymore. They've lost all of their lower-end restaurants. Liberals, okay, from Wynette. California becomes sanctuary state as government signs bill. Okay, this was proposed last year. He signed it. Jerry Brown is insane. He is absolutely a lunatic. He signed that bill. From Fox, ICE, which is your uh, let's arrest the uh, people. ICE arrests nearly 450 illegal immigrants in sanctuary city raids. As a part of massive illegal immigration sweep, ICE announced that officials arrested nearly 500 illegal immigrants living in sanctuary cities across the country. The raid, referred to as Operation Safe City, in a news release, spanned four days in cities throughout the U.S. and ended Wednesday. A Mexican illegal immigrant in Los Angeles who was arrested as a member of the Colina Chicas Gang a group dubbed one of the largest and deadliest gangs in Southern California's Ventura County by the FBI. That immigrant, who was found with a handgun, allegedly rammed a number of law enforcement vehicles in an attempt to escape from authorities. Well, they want to give them sanctuary there. This is what they want. And sanctuary city means that we will not help them do their job. Okay, they've passed the law. They're not going to help the feds at all. This is the type of people that they want to protect. Okay, let's go on. From Washington Times, ICE will target California neighborhoods. Now, here's the idea. You arrest a bad guy. The bad guy is an illegal immigrant, okay? California says we cannot take now because we passed this law and hand bad guy to be deported. We have passed a law that says we will keep bad guy, okay? So they're keeping the really bad guys that are in jail. Guess who is going to be harmed by this? Here we go. ICE will target California neighborhoods in wake of state's new sanctuary law. We're getting rid of illegals. We might as well get rid of the bad ones, but you don't want to. The head of the federal deportation agency said his agents will now have to go out into communities in California even more frequently to round up illegal immigrants now that the state has embraced a full sanctuary policy. 
Tom Homan, acting director of ICE, made the comments a day after California Governor Jerry Brown signed SB 54 into law, canceling almost all cooperation state and local authorities can give to federal deportation officers. He said the effect could be even more rank and file illegal immigrants, just the people that want to work. And, you know, I'm working out and doing my job and I'm taking care of this guy's lawn and I'm sending a little money home to my mom. They're out of here. Snared because federal officers will now have to operate out in the community rather than focus chiefly on prisons and jails. ICE will have no choice but to conduct at-large arrests in local neighborhoods and at work sites, which will inevitably result in additional collateral arrests instead of focusing on arrested jails and prisons where transfers are safer for ICE officers and the community. Everything good can come out of it, nothing bad, and instead California turns it over, and now only bad is going to come out of this. We're going to have the loss of ICE lives, we're going to have the loss of police lives, we're going to have these people running roughshod over the citizens of California, because California, Jerry Brown is insane. Thanks to the law's restrictions on the ability of the private prison industry to hold illegal immigrants in California, the agency will also have to ship those being detained to facilities outside the state, making it even tougher for their families to visit them. So not only are they inconvenienced, the families can't go see their poor little boy because he's over in Nevada instead of California now. The entire thing is insane. Okay, from World Net Daily, another site which I do not like to cite because, but I checked it on another site. They just did a better job of laying it out, so I chose them. But California adopts a bordello plan for long-term care centers. I reported last year, yes, I'll read it to you in a second. Last year, I went through all of the proposed bills that California was going to come up with, and they were all insane, and this is one of them, okay? So they passed it. It was suggested last year. I reported on all of them. They passed it. Here's what they're doing. Under the new law, males are allowed to room with females. Now, we're talking about geriatric facilities, ancient people in there, and right? They want to live with the female. There you go. Shower facilities are no longer gender specific, and employees can be punished, punished for criminally refusing to assist a man's fantasy by dressing him in a bra, nylons, lipstick, and earrings. You say, I'm not going to do that. They can punish you. Yes. The law makes it a criminal offense for any private care facility to move or evict a transsexual resident for acting out their transsexual behavior, even if the other residents are disturbed by it. So you have no control over the people that you let in. Would you want to work in that? I'm asking my wife, who she works in one of these facilities. She's over there appalled, shaking her head. Oh, no, no one husband. No. <laughs> okay, let's see here. It says... Um, It forces employees to dress men in women's clothes or vice versa. Since the new law mandates a right to wear or be dressed in clothing, accessories, or cosmetics that are permitted for any other resident, it dictates that care facilities no longer can protect privacy in men's and women's restrooms and bathing areas. A woman's in there and a man walks in, she can't say, leave me alone. She can get arrested, right? Okay, here we go. It says... um, Uh, Where was I? It even will make criminals of workers who do not follow a resident's demands to be addressed as he or she or zer or zem or any of these other gender uh, pronouns, no matter what their biological sex is. The requirement could be a particular burden to the thousands of immigrant employees who are not comfortable with the English language. Now, think of that. You got a little girl from the Philippines that's come over here to earn her way in America, and she says, yes, sir, and she can be arrested, right? 
Okay, SB 219 will force California care facility employees, often Hispana or Filipina women, to abandon all morals, reason, and logic. Who could have imagined a law sending Californians to jail for saying he or she in a way the state doesn't like? But it's here. Under SB 219, if a California long-term care home employee refers to a transgender woman as he or a transitioning transgender man as she, they can incur a criminal fine and be incarcerated for up to a year. Right. Well, the care home itself can suffer heavy fines and license revocation by the Department of Public Health and also incur a fine of up to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars under the State Fair Employment and Housing Act. The law applies to senior homes, convalescent homes, skilled nursing facilities, the developmentally disabled, pediatric day health care and respite care. Imagine that. Imagine. Here we go. L.A. Times. Next article. Knowingly exposing others to HIV will no longer be a felony in California. This is another one of those articles that I read to you that they, they proposed this. Well, he signed it. Governor Jerry Brown signed a bill that lowers from a felony to a misdemeanor the crime of knowingly exposing a sexual partner to HIV without disclosing the infection. There was no need to do this. He just simply did it. They could have just left the law alone. He purposefully is doing this. The measure also applies to those who give blood without telling the blood bank that they're HIV positive. Brown declined to comment on his action. His action speaks enough. We don't need that guy to ever speak again. Just put him in an insane asylum. Here's the result of this. Next article, just the title, and you'll, you'll grasp the result of the two articles I just read you. California to have harsher penalty. This is Zero Hedge. California to have harsher penalty for pronoun violations than for knowingly spreading HIV. You can go to jail and be fined for saying her to a he, right? But you can give somebody HIV and nobody can do anything. Can you imagine it, the world that we're living in? Insane. California bizarro world, okay? Here's something uh, from Alessric for you today. Higher wages see restaurants close while the sexually sick don't disclose. Sanctuaries on ice for the ones not too nice, while the old folks do more than just doze. <laughs> Good job. Remind you, before you uh, get to your irony of the week, that we have Sergio and Roto's video. Very good. It's up in Caesarea Philippi this week. Wonderful. Everybody enjoyed it that was here? Oh, yeah. Good good video. Please click on that. It'll be attached at the end of the uh, Prosty Update, and uh, I know that you'll enjoy it. And finally, from Business Insider. Now, this is not really ironic. It may be the stupidest thing that a company has done in a long, long time, but it's not really ironic, but I thought I'd share it with you anyway. Now, imagine this. You've got a colored girl, right? And she's in a Dove commercial. What do you think would be the worst possible thing that they could do with her? There you go. She got it. Dove faces PR disaster over ad that showed black woman turning white. She takes off her shirt and no. she turned, yes. And you know what? The black girl said, I got no problem with this. But imagine in today's environment, somebody doing that. Dove has gotten barbecued for this over the past week. She's black and they put Dove on her and she turns white. So not very smart, right? Anyway, and I got to tell you something. I have never, this is just Charlie Garrett. I have never understood the race thing, ever. I grew up watching Uhura on Star Trek. 
and I was all over her. She's the prettiest thing I've ever seen. That was when I was just a little kid, and I went to school. All the black people and white people, they're just people. We're just people. It's melatonin. Your skin can change color. You have black people that turn white when they get that that affliction, and white people can turn darker by getting out in the sun. It's just skin, folks. I don't understand it. But anyway, such is the world we live in. So from Sarasota, Florida, to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, and Kyotera, Uganda, where a really special person lives, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is The Superior Word, and that is your Prophecy Update for the week.